0: Thank you for tuning into the Hacking the Patriarchy podcast. I'm your fervent feminist host, Raven O'Neill, and I get the honors of sitting down with women experts from all walks of life to discuss the ideas, opportunities, and the strategies that women can take advantage of to get ahead in our patriarchal society. So if one of your love languages is learning how to hack patriarchal systems and structures, I invite you to join us and help move the needle. I'm excited to welcome today's guest, Guinevere Crary. Guinevere eats, sleeps, and breathes people operations. From her time as global people ops executive for a B2B and a B2B2C SaaS startup companies to her current role as a full-time fractional people operations consultant, she has two decades of experience in HR for tech and startup companies. Awarded the National Human Resources Association Executive of the Year in 2021, Guinevere is relentlessly positive and refreshingly innovative while providing transformative and innovative people operations support, guidance, and advice to help founders and CEOs scale their businesses from a people perspective. Let's all pull our virtual hands together and offer Guinevere the warmest of welcomes.
1: Welcome, Guinevere. Thank you, Raven, for having me. Excited to be on the show. I'm
0: excited to have you. We're going to dive into the big B word. We're going to be talking about boundaries today. Boundaries in our career. One of our favorite topics. I myself don't have very good boundaries. So this will be a very good learning segment for myself. So let's dive in. I would love to know as an HR professional, what would you consider good boundaries in a career sense?
1: Actually, I think it really is dependent on the human being that we're talking about, right? I don't have kids, so my boundaries are going to be completely different than a parent. I think it really comes down to what is the right boundary for you and what you're trying to accomplish in life and what you get out of life. I'm with you, Raven. I love what I do so much that I don't have great boundaries either. I think it's something that has come up very often, especially with COVID, through COVID, and post COVID, in regards to just like recognizing that life is not all about work. But at the same time, I love what I do so much. It doesn't feel like work. And so really creating those boundaries is important. But again, it could be completely different for everybody. I'm not a morning person. So my boundary is, I don't... My first meeting is like... My first reoccurring meeting is 8.30. I will take eight thirty sevens sevens on one-offs to support my international clients. But typically like 8.30 is my earliest I will do on a reoccurring basis. And that's just for me. Now, someone who's a morning person that gets up at five in the morning, they'll be like, 6 a.m., baby, let's go. That's great for them, not good for me. So I think you really have to stop and think about what it is that you need as a human being and where you are in your life cycle. Another one is that I, because I'm not a morning person, I'm not gonna exercise in the morning. So lunchtime or right after work is really important to me. When I was going into the office, I would make sure that I would not get home. I would hit that gym first because again, once I'm home, I'm a homebody. I'm not leaving. You couldn't pry me out of my house on a weekday after I get home. So it's all about figuring out what works best for you. One of the things I like to do that I see some some CEOs that I work with will actually put in their breakfast, workout, lunch, dinner in their calendar to block it out. I also see that people will put um, either focus time or do not no meetings allowed kind of time in their calendar. And whether that's because that's their chunk of time that they need to work to get things done, or if that's because they're blocking it because they need to go soccer with the kids or whatever it is. And so I think really owning your calendar is the best way to create those boundaries. And then just letting everybody know around you what, how you work best and learning the same about the people that you work with so that you can mesh that together. I love that. And I love
0: that it's different for everyone because what we're going to dive into here, (laughs) as the name is Hacking the Patriarchy, is the difference between men and women. Do you see a difference in career boundaries between your male and female clients or people you've worked in
1: in the past? Yes. A lot of my clients are the entrepreneurial individuals. So whether you're male or female, you're an entrepreneur, you Going to be working twenty four seven building that company out. I think the difference really that I see is in line of how the fit, the life outside of work. Again, if there's family involved, who's taking care of the family? And even now, like I said, I don't have kids. My husband and I we rotate the cooking, and he knows that when I have a really long day. He's going to be the one up for cooking and and helping in that perspective. And uh, then I do the dishes. If I cook, he does the dishes. That's our deal, right? Cook should never do the dishes. (laughs) But yeah, so that it, it just depends on Again, I think that life cycle, I think about women who do have a family who are also entrepreneurial, who are running their business, they're they're the CEOs, the presidents, or even just a high level manager or executive, and they come home and they still have to be the mother of the household and it's not being split by the father. That's where I think boundaries are really challenging. Um, Guys, just get away with it a lot easier because there's still a little bit of stereotypicalness going on in the household. Now that's okay. That's very like broad statement. That's not necessarily (laughs) the case. Like I just said, my husband helps with the cooking as well. And so I think, again, it depends on every household, but if you're a female who is having to do the whole household and your full-time, very stressful job, there's hopefully an opportunity to have a conversation with your partner (laughs) <laughs> and not the man of the house. And I think that there's been a lot of change in that. But again, I think there's still some, I think women have a hard time letting go of like the nurturing aspect of our, our personalities, of who we are as a woman. And so it's really finding that boundary, but to figure out what it is you need to give, what it is you're able to give. And there's, you gotta have that too, right? Because you need to be able to fill your bucket up, which means... That might mean you enjoy cooking and providing for your family. That might mean that you don't mind doing it a couple days a week, but you don't need to and the family can have the husband or maybe an older child do it or whatever. So I I think that's where the difference I see comes in is really, it's the personal life, that personal aspect that, that ends up being more on the women's plate than the men's.
0: Yeah. And, and then it bleeds into their professional life. And that's mm-hmm. when it truly yep. affects that professional I mean,
1: life. I do all the, <laughs> do the laundry. I do all the laundry. So when I'm traveling and I get home, I don't want to have to do anything. And I know I got to do the laundry before next week starts. So there, are, but then he takes out the trash. <laughs> there's, a little, there's a little give and take. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. There has to be a little give and take and everything too. Same thing in my household. I do most of the laundry, but I like, I don't want to touch the trash. I don't want to do it. I love that. Boundaries I feel are a very big, hot topic these days because everybody worked from home or most people worked from home during COVID and the pandemic and all of the changes. And now we're being asked, some people are being asked to return to the office in your professional world, in your (laughs) professional world where you're working with that, are you seeing a lot of changes to that? Are you seeing a lot of pushback? Is there a difference in the pushback of going back to the office between
1: men and women? Yes. My personal opinion is that... I work in the tech side of the house. This is, of course, I think this will be my main theme of the day. It depends on the individual (laughs) and the situation, right? A hospital uh, employee has to go to the hospital, right? You You can't work from home. A computer programmer can work anywhere in the world. So I think it depends on the roles, the jobs, the company. I work with a lot of tech companies where really you could code, you can do your finances, you can do everything anywhere around world. Of course, time zones make it more challenging. So maybe within specific time zones, but I I do see that a lot of the big ones are going back. It really depends on the culture and the CEO. I will say that there have been articles I've read where the majority of companies pushing to go back into the office are being pushed by white men and don't recognize that it is creating this gap for women and non-white individuals. I think there is a challenge for people who are able to go in the office versus those that are staying behind because a lot of individuals, including friends of mine, have this out of sight, out of mind mentality. And when it comes to getting promotions or being able to be part of a project or take on new tasks, the first thing that a manager potentially will do is... Oh, I see Bob in the office. I'm going to give it to Bob, not thinking about Susie, who's at home and could also be just as capable of doing it. So I think there is going to be a little bit less playing field in that perspective. And I think that it's really up to the company, the management, the executive teams of those corporations who are going back into the office to make sure that they're making it equal for all people, not just those in the office. I feel like I might've missed a couple of questions there. No, do I see it different. <laughs> I do see it different. Again, women have a lot on their shoulders if they have kids. And so is it the man that's going to give up their job and stay home? Not typically. I'm seen a little bit more of that happening these days, but typically it's the woman and is the woman going to try to stay behind and work from home to take care of the kids during the day? Probably. Are they going to end up having to leave a company and find one that's remote? Maybe. It also might mean that they have to take a step back of their career and maybe just find something that helps pay the bills and not necessarily a career satisfying role. I do believe that everybody has choices. Of course, everyone needs to pay bills. There is a financial aspect to that, but everybody makes choices and you got to live with those choices, whether you're happy with them or not. And so I think whether you're in a relationship that forces you to not be able to do the career or you have kids, you made the decision to have kids, or maybe, oops, we have a kid now. <laughs> so like, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's, life is all about choices and you got to live with the ones you made.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought up so many great points, but I, it's funny because... You mentioned the whole in-office, seeing that person, seeing that person work and being in front of them all the time might change the viewpoint of future promotions and whatnot. And it actually made me think of a lot of stuff I'm also seeing where I will say when I was younger and I feel like pre-pandemic too, and maybe that's just me, but there was this whole work is life right a generations because i do feel like what is the youngest generation now
1: millennial gen z
0: gen z gen z is very much no these are my hours of work this is what i'm willing to do i'm not taking it home with me and i feel mm-hmm. like the pandemic also definitely made me feel that way okay these are the boundaries this is the boundary i'm not going to take it on the weekends unless i have to as an entrepreneur you have to sometimes <laughs> but i feel like generations And the pandemic really, it, it set a precedence to change that boundary. Have you seen a ton of that too? This is I'll work nine to five. I'm done unless
1: it's emergency. Don't call a little bit, but not really, because again, I'm in the startup space. I work in the startup space. There's not an opportunity for that. If you want the company to be like a startup. 90 plus percent of startups fail. If you want it to be successful, you're going to work beyond the nine to five. And you're going to need to find people that are willing to do the same in order to make the company successful. I personally have some concerns about... I appreciate that perspective and the boundaries of which you're not just your work. I know that when I shift gears two, three years ago, I was like, oh my gosh, who am I without this job? And then finding who I am as a human being. So I appreciate that perspective. But I also, at the same time, have a little bit of fear of where our world will be in 30, 40 years. Because when I think about who I am today and the grit and the toughness I have to get through challenging times didn't come because I only worked my eight to five or nine to five and I didn't work hard and extra beyond that, right? So I do wonder what the grit will look like with the generation in 30 to 40 years from now. And you think back on um, just how the U S was made. Is it right? No, of course not. People weren't paid. They were paid very minimum. They were treated horribly, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of reasons why America is, is, or was, how whatever you want to say today, great was a, a very number one nation And it was because of the grittiness and the hard work of people who didn't just go, oh, it's five o'clock. I'm going to bow out now and and go surfing for the day or whatever. I do believe there are boundaries, but I do believe there should be perspective of the fact that you're not going to always be able to do that every single day of your life and be able to be a president of a company by age 40.
0: Yeah. So taking in... All that we've covered from the male, female, man, woman perspective, (laughs) entrepreneurship perspective, startup perspective, age perspective, all the different things that are playing into how we set up boundaries, how we hold our boundaries, all of that. Do you have any advice for women that are... Actually, let's start out. Let's split it up. Let's have a little fun. Okay, those starting their career out.
1: I think the one thing I wish that I could have taught myself to do better, and I'm still working on this, is not apologizing. I think that's the biggest thing I see between women and men is what we apologize for everything. But my husband in the car or walking or whatever, and I'll apologize, but he does it to me. He doesn't even recognize that he did it to me. And it's like, why am I apologizing? Like It was just the same thing happens in business. So that's one and then two, I think, just maybe this might be more for mid to senior career experience. Is the thing I see the difference between men and women is that when men look at a job, and again, this is stereotypical, <laughs> stereotyping. What we here. do here, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> my my age disclaimer right there, but is that they'll look at a job description and go, "Yeah, I can do that." A woman looks at the job and goes, "I haven't done that yet. I can't apply for it."
0: Yep. There's that there's a statistic, right? Men will look at it and they actually can do three things and they'll
1: apply let's their... just say it this way men know how to bullshit better than women. And they're more comfortable in their skin to do that. They're more comfortable to just play it by ear, fake it till you make it. And I'm not saying that's what all men do, but I feel like from my experience, that's why men get ahead a little bit more than women, because we tend to go exactly what you said, if there's 20 things on that, uh must-have experience list, men will be like, oh, I have three of those. I'll apply for the job and get it. Women will be like, I have 17 of those, but I don't have those other three. Maybe I'll apply. I probably won't get it. I'm not going to apply at all. And so really, I think it's also like for me personally, in my career, I've really learned how to... I'm not good at selling myself. (laughs) Like my experience and what I do, I downplay that all the time. And it's through other mentorships within my life that have really helped rephrase or put it in a different light. Like they'll say something about me and I'll be like, what are you talking about? And I'll be like, oh, you, that's how you see me. So I think my, my biggest advice would be talk to some people that know you and ask them, Hey, if you were to have to introduce me in a professional way, how would you do that? And hear from them how they see you because how they see you is such an eye opening compared to how you see yourself in your head. And it might actually help you get past those barriers that you have in your head to get farther along in your career. We are going to have a
0: podcast later on coaching and
1: mentoring,
0: but we're going to dive into that. And I agree. If you hire a career coach, I'm sure all of them don't do this but I had one back in the day and I remember she asked me to go ask five of my friends to create adjectives to describe me or whatever it was and it's like your essence and it brings out like who you are and it's shocking because you're like I definitely didn't see myself that way so I'm sure we'll be diving into that later but that is a great suggestion in how to build that confidence so we've dove into the things you can do to build your confidence and to like self-work and self-things that we can do to make us equal. Well, thank you for finishing You're that welcome. for me. But what about everyone else? What are things like I could do and you could do? And let's say your husband and my husband, let's bring the men into it too. What are yeah. things that men and women could do to better support um, the equality of it all in career?
1: Yeah. Uplift and mentorship are two of the things that come to my mind really quickly. I think that like, when I look back on my career, I had so many individuals who were constantly pulling me up, pushing me forward, encouraging me, giving me the support I needed, being mentors and guides in my career professionally, as well as my career, just personally, of like what I can and cannot accomplish or where I'm stuck in my head. I think Like, it's really hard, in my opinion, to find a really good mentor who's willing to give you that time and really uh, also be in the space with you. I was very fortunate that one of my best friends, she's about five years ahead of me in experience in the same industry. And so she's like, her and I play devil's advocate all the time. And I will be like, this is where I'm stuck. And then she'll play devil's advocate. She's helped me, like, decide whether or not to take a job. And again, just taking me outside of who I am, being my mirror, playing devil's advocate, coaching me on, yeah, you can do this, push yourself. This is a great opportunity. And so I think if you can find that person or a couple of people like that in your life, that's where, and then lean on them, massively lean on them. And obviously don't use them and abuse them, give back (laughs) to them too. But I find that like now I also want to do the same thing. And so I think most people who are successful have had that mentorship somehow, whether they paid for it, or they were lucky enough to have a friendship or a family member, be that person for them, but then give back. So I think the people who are farther, who are listening to this, that are farther in their career, think about how you can give back. And is that something as far as starting younger and going into being a big sister, big brother, that's one of my nonprofit clients I work with. I love working with them. They're great. Actually, there's two of them I work with. <laughs> I love them so much. Or is it something like if you're an engineer or a mathematician or anything in the sciences in this thing in the STEM, then go to high schools and colleges and provide a speaking opportunity and then stand around and coach and make yourself available to those individuals. I think that's a lot of fun too. <laughs> so that would be one way. And then Best practices are the, I I think the, one of the best ways to learn from people. We're actually doing a whole best practice series with one of my clients right now and giving everybody the opportunity. It doesn't matter if you're two years into your role or 20, everyone has an opportunity to share what's working best for them, which may work best for two other people on the call. And I think that if you can share that with other people, it'll help them come a long way. And I'm a big fan of not having to recreate the wheel. It's It works perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So any final advice for our listeners in regards to
1: career and boundaries? I think... Soul searching is the first most important part. Do some. I'm a math major. I don't like writing, but I would say <laughs> just bullet point or write journal, whatever it is that works best for you. What are the things that you want out of life? And then what are the things that fulfill you? One of the books that I loved reading when my husband and I first started dating was The Five Love Languages. And I think that although it's all about a romantic relationship, it's actually very meaningful inside of a work world to some extent. Obviously, The quality of touch is not going to be something you're going to do in a work (laughs) world, but the concept of what are the buckets, what is the, what buckets you have and how do you fill them up? And I think through COVID, a lot of people realize I don't enjoy what I'm doing or I enjoy it too much. It's maybe too much being a bad thing. And so it's really all about that balance of like, how do you fill this bucket up? But then you need to go and fill that bucket up. And I would say a really great exercise is writing all the things that you love to do professionally and personally, all the obligations that you have, and then really talk, thinking through is it, do I have, you only have so much time in a day. We can, nobody can make more time, right? It is a finite amount. You have 24 hours in a day. You need to sleep eight. Some people can do six. I prefer nine. Again, I love my sleep, but (laughs) I'm not a morning person. Thinking through what is it that you need? You need eight hours of sleep. You need one hour for exercise. You need an hour, 15 minutes, an hour for showers. All the things that you have to do as a human being, and then start plugging in the remaining time. You want 20% with family. If you're spiritual or your social events, your work and really start thinking through how you want your day, normal day to look. And even maybe even think about it for a whole week, right? Because you have the weekends that you can do a lot of things potentially with. And then is that how you're spending your time? And if it's not, then how can you get to that structure?
0: Yeah, I like that. Taking stock. And I try even with my lists of work, I try to make sure that within my work, there is one thing that's creative every day. If it is going into Canva and doing, yeah, it definitely helps break up the monotony of getting. Yeah.
1: And just again, I'm a math girl. So just like your 401k, which maybe some people on this call haven't even started that yet. You should, no matter what age you are, (laughs) you need to rebalance. And so even though you might have found that perfect balance for you at 23, that's not going to be the right balance at 33, 43, 53. So I think a really good practice is just to reevaluate that balance, whether it's six months or every 12 months or a big life event, marriage, kids, whatever. It's important to reevaluate that because we all, our lives change and we have different cycles and what we needed five years ago isn't what we need today. And it won't be what we need tomorrow.
0: Constantly circling back,
1: making a habit out of that
0: too. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It has been an absolute pleasure diving into this with you. I would love to know, and I'm sure our audience would love to know how they can learn more about what you do, where you are, connect with you, get in touch.
1: LinkedIn, Guide to HR or Guinevere Curry. They're both very unique. <laughs> so easy to find us on LinkedIn that way. I'm very open to connecting or my first name at guide to HR.com is my email address. Feel free to reach out to me directly there. Yep.
0: And I'll link some of that in... I'm not going to link your email because then you'll get spammed, but I will link <laughs> some of your contact within the notes. Great. Thank you for joining me today and talking yeah, about... Thank you
1: baby. for having me. So, yeah. I hope that your listeners got a little bit of tidbit. I think the biggest thing is to know we're all figuring it out. I don't think anyone has the answer and certainly their answer isn't going to work for you. So you have to figure it out for you. Yep. Going back to that, it's different for everyone. Exactly. Thank you again.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For all the juicy deets on this episode, be sure to check out our show notes or give us a holler on Instagram at Hacking the Patriarchy Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support this podcast, don't be shy. Please share it with your friends. Sharing is caring after all. Lastly, if you'd like to lend your personal support, please take a moment to tell the world about it with a review on your favorite streaming platform. We'd be forever grateful. Tune in again soon to enjoy a brand new episode of the Hacking the Patriarchy podcast. And until next time, keep on hacking, my friends. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that this isn't my only feminist endeavor? That's right. There's more. I run a media startup dedicated to providing the most current and pertinent news about women, for women, and by women. Our mission centers on delivering a platform where the latest updates regarding women-led initiatives are extensively covered, highlighting women's actions, accomplishments, perspectives, and other elements that profoundly influence women's lives and contribute to meaningful progress. I invite you to head
1: over to femled.news to learn more.